0: hello and welcome to this life changes podcast you are now listening to one of our sunday messages if you'd like to know more about life changes you can visit us on facebook twitter or instagram now lean in and enjoy thanks very much lee good morning Millie. it's wonderful to be with you guys today and uh, before we start, when Lee spoke about full marks, getting that perfect score, I had no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I just want to confess, I sat right in front in the dumb class, so um don't know much about that, but however, it is great to be with you today. My name is Edwin, I am one of the pastors at Life Changes Church, and I'm excited for two reasons. First reason, it's the 22nd of February. The petrol lights are burning brightly but I just want to say well done guys we're going to make it the end of the month is it's I can see it it's happening we're going to get paid everything will be replenished and uh, it's good the second reason why I am incredibly excited is because we are kicking off a new series called Love Thy Neighborhood and we are going to look um for the next couple of weeks at how we can be The best people your neighbors could have ever wished to live next to. So you can tell that an extrovert came up with that. And also for introverts, it's not something to shy away from. You don't have to be, oh, this is not my vibe. And I'm going to tell you right now why not. So the title for today's message is P-A-R-T-Y. Because Scripture demands it of us. (laughs) Okay, that's, 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 the, that's the name, that's the title, that's the aim for today. So, if you do have your Bible here, you can open up to Luke. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. So, I'll give you a second to get there. If you don't have it, you can just follow on the screen. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and he followed him So I want us to just back up for a moment here to just fully grasp the the weight uh, and the gravity of what took place here. Tax collectors in this point in time in the history of the world were Jews, and what makes that significant is that the Romans took over Israel. They came, they conquered, and Practically, the implications of that was, let's say you had a nice estate, or you had a nice family business, or you had a nice farm, or you had something nice. The, the Romans came into town. They, they said, I like this farm. Thanks, I'll have it. And if you say, but, then you did. So you <laughs> didn't say, but. You just carried a resentment and a deep, deep, deep hatred towards the Romans um, for come to hijack the country. So they you didn't like the Romans. Now, if you want to know where the tax collectors came in to this into the entire picture, you take that hatred, you add a little extra hatred, and you sprinkle it on top, and that's the disdain the people had for the tax collectors because they were Jews, the very people um, who, who who the Roman Empire came and and just took over. Who defected and they now worked for the evil Roman Empire regime. Okay, so they defected and they were, they were hated and they were notorious for, for stealing. So it was allowed to charge more than the necessary tax. So you had your manager, and your tax manager, and you had to pay him certain quotas and whatever you can skim off the top, that was fine. It was fair gain. And, the implications of being a tax collector mean, meant, without a doubt, you, you were no longer a part of your family. You were most definitely no longer welcome to um, keep the traditions of the, the Jews. You were most certainly not welcome to put your feet at a synagogue because you were hated. You, you have gone where no man should go. And you've traded, basically, you sold your soul for the temporary delights that wealth has got to offer um, people. And uh, so they would sit and people would look at them and they would hate them and not like them very much. And um, so the, the upside is that he, they made lots and lots of money. Um, they, in a time period where the Jews were not doing as well as their forefathers once did. The tax collectors did better than any Jew; had, the, the majority of the Jews did up until that point of history. So take that, swallow that, uh, let that maul it over, and now you know who this guy Levi is. So Levi um, has got a couple of issues, and this also forced him because he could no longer um, have anything to do with the Jews. With his, um, friends and family and all of that stuff. He had to make new friends. And so they would always refer to tax collectors and sinners. Because he was now, um, his, his only option was to make friends with social outcasts. So they were like a band of ragamuffins doing their thing on their own. And, and that's literally, that's, 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 that's what happened. And then came the strangest yet the most beautiful day. In Levi's life, there is no doubt that Levi heard about this Jewish rabbi named Jesus. Um, everyone seemed to be talking about this man, Jesus. There was reports of astounding miracles. People were going in the areas talking about his parables, trying to make sense of it. Some people had some interpretations. And Levi heard all these things. And Levi knew that Jesus was coming into town. And Levi would so love to go and see Jesus, but there is a problem. Levi cannot go and see Jesus because he is banned from the synagogues. He can't hear. Everyone's been told him that God wants nothing to do with you. And so there Levi was, and he knows Jesus is coming to town But he can't see him. So he's at his text booth. And the people, he can hear the crowds gathering and walking. And he can hear it, but he can't look up because he has learned that when he looks up, he meets eyes of people who despise him. And he can feel his own shame. He can feel his own guilt. So he's just sitting at his tax booth. And he can hear there's a crowd, and they're coming closer, and they're coming closer. And he doesn't want to look up. And all of a sudden, he can hear it's right here in front of him. And he clenches onto his chair because he can see the sandals of the rabbi named Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and now he expects this rabbinical scorn. Jesus to let rip on this man who is a traitor, this man who is a thief, this man who is a sinner of sinners and not good enough for anything. And he's just so scared that he hears the word stone him. Cause that was, that happened that time, those times. And he looks up and Jesus says, follow me. And now, Levi doesn't know what to do. Everyone is there, and, and he's been told for so long that God wants nothing to do with him. He's been um, banned from the synagogue. He's not allowed to go there. Yet, this man, Jesus, is speaking to him, and it feels as if God is speaking right to him and is inviting him to walk with him. Jesus is inviting him to follow him. And all of a sudden, there's just a collision in his mind of, of wealth and what about tomorrow? What about all this money? And he can't help but feel so excited. He can't help but feel so alive. He cannot help but want to, 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 to go with Jesus. And he doesn't quite know what it means to follow Jesus. And now Jesus is beckoning, showing, follow me. And he just feels so alive for the first time in years. And Levi get up, got up and he simply fell in behind Jesus. And he never felt freer in his entire life. Now, imagine Levi that night, sitting around the fire, and all over again these strange and wonderful things just playing in his, his head, realizing how wonderful and how merciful the ways of true, the true God is. How wonderful and how merciful the heart of the Father is. Who would have guessed that the Messiah who was to come would pluck up a tax collector to be one of his disciples? And you know what's the most beautiful thing that happened? Is that now all of a sudden in Jesus, in his ranks, in his followers, because there were disciples. It was a group of 12 and then there were a, a group of followers who were about 300 or so. His ranks were just swelling with sinners and tax collectors. And I want that to ignite something in you so badly and spark something in you that when God saves sinners like me and you, it gives our friends and family who's outside the fold of God at this point in time so much hope and so much faith and it makes them believe that I've been told for so long I'm so many things, but all of a sudden I can feel God calling me and that I am good enough. You give people faith, because we are sinners, and that's our very identity. Levi was sick with the disease of sin, and the great physician came, and he healed him. And now I want us to look at words on the screen, and I, I wish I could preach such a powerful message, but I can't. Levi later threw a party at his house, and invited his sinner friends to meet Jesus, And many followed him. Let that, I want us to take a couple of seconds, let that speak to you. Levi later threw a party at his house and invited his sinner friends to meet Jesus. And many followed him. Friends, if only this was our attitude towards both our friends and towards Jesus. I don't know what we are scared of, is Jesus not kind? Yeah. Why don't we want to introduce our friends to Jesus? Um, is he not compassionate? Does he not blot out our transgressions? Is Jesus not gracious? Is he not our friend? Does he not call us friends? If he is the lover of our souls, we should most certainly not treat him as a dirty little secret. Our family, I'm our fa- fa- um, Afrikaans, that just came out. Our family and our friends and our neighbors, they need to meet Jesus. Um, one encounter is all that it, th- that it takes. And Levi didn't go to university to come up with this masterful strategy. It's just something that came naturally. And I, I want to tell you that it's as simple as this, that Zebras, they have stripes, and Jesus loves sinners. And I can prove it from Scripture. Luke 15 gives us a snapshot at this. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This, man's, um, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Friends, Levi threw a party at his house. People became followers of Jesus. There is no heart too hard for the spirit of God. And now you will say, but you don't know my son. You don't know my brother. You don't know my uncle. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know. And in the words of the son of Tableview, Gabriel Phillips, let me tell you have you noticed how many times uh, he his? let me tell you. So let me tell you, you don't know my Jesus. Jesus seeks out, he finds the lost. That is his mission. That is why he is here. And what I want to do for, um, I want to share some handles with you, some practical things that we can do to invite people to Bring them along to introduce them to our loving Savior. So I I thought about seven things. There's probably like 7,000, but for time constraints, we're just going to look at seven. And uh, the first thing that I think we can do is pray for the unbelievers in your life by name. I think it's a wonderful thing if you do have a devotional time that you go and you say, Father, I just want to pray for the loss. I think that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's a blanket of billions of people. And we can be specific and, and it's not aimed and it's not pointed. You can be very specific because you know the people in your life that's in need of Jesus. And you can say, Father, I'm praying for France and I pray that you will open his eyes and with this new venture, I pray that you will send the right people across his path and I pray for Amanda that she would come and support him. Fantastic. Then it can be aimed and it can be pointed. If we just pray pray prayers for the lost, It's not aimed. It's not pointed. So the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to trust God for specific things. Call people by their name and write it down. And at least once a week, let's pray for our friends and our family who does not yet have faith in Jesus. The second thing is to be intentional in pursuing relationships and scheduling time with unbelievers. We are so familiar with, um, if you've been in church for a while, with holy huddles. We are so familiar for all your friends to be Christians, for everyone, and it's comfortable. It's nice. It's easy because we all believe the same things. We talk the same things. We go to church. It's easy. You know what? That's the thing. It's easy. It's comfortable. We don't have to make a lot of effort because I see my friends three times. I see them at life group, and I see them at church, so that's twice a week, and the rest of the time I can just kick out with my family. I don't even have to be social at all, and I can still get away with it. But there's people waiting yeah. on the other side of our obedience. God is calling us to do something. So I want to I ask you to be very intentional and start with a meal. Yeah. Twice a month, have a meal. Invite people who you know is not um, the followers of Jesus at this point in time. Third thing that, um, is to not withdraw from family members who doesn't share your same beliefs, but rather lean into them. And I know that we can be, we can fight with our family members like it's nobody's business. And they know you the best. We can't, you know, they don't want to hear about Jesus, but you know what? They want to see Him. And I want to encourage you, so for your family members, don't burn any bridges. Lean into your family. So ask about their interests. So if they're interested in certain things, share those you don't necessarily have to agree with the interest, but listen to that. Ask, how how is that and that going? Be interested in their lives and know what is happening in their lives and keep tabs on them, not to check up on them, but say, oh, so how's it going with um, this and that and that and so and the other? And, and, oh, that's wonderful. Sorry it didn't work out. What can I do for you? How can I help you? So don't, don't burn bridges. Lean into your family. Love them. But more important, pray, pray for them as well. Fourth thing is to love your neighbors. Know your neighbors by name. I'm, I'm privileged to... My, my neighbor is, is here, and we're in the same life group. We know the people down from us. The guy next to us is never there. But it's, if you're living in a flat, it's, it's kind of easy. I, I know if, you, if you're living in a house, it's um, probably more difficult. And here's my encouragement. Bake cookies. A batch of cookies. Take it to the neighbors. Say, hey, my name is so-and-so. My intention for this year is to, to be a better neighbor. And I just want to know the people in the neighborhood. You don't have to say, hey, man, Jesus, just put it on my heart. Fire's going to rain. And, all the, and, and you know what? We just want to love people. This isn't a sales pitch. We, we don't want to convince people. to be. We want people to experience the love of a father. Uh, that, that's our dream. That's our, our highest aim and ambition for people to have revelation of Jesus. That's it. There's no ulterior motives, nothing. We don't want to control anyone. We don't want to tell them what, how to do their lives. We want them to have an encounter with the Father and for them to be set free and for Him to work in their lives. That's it. So we want to love our neighbors. Bake some cookies. Okay. If you're a guy and you can't, go buy some cookies. Put them in. Different packaging. Yes. Okay. Now the next thing is very challenging. And uh, point number five is appreciate your workplace as the best place. There is no need in this world for weekend warriors. Where we come to church on a Sunday and it's arms up in the air, scoring touchdowns. (laughs) Air punch, yes, yes, wonderful, Jesus, we praise (laughs) But Monday to Friday, you are useless at your job. Your attitude sucks. No one likes to work with you. And you just you tell people, no, they must repent. You know what? They, they will repent and they say, Father, forgive me because I want to kick this guy in the face. Um, don't let that be the case. Accept your workplace as the best place. And if you have a horrible boss like in the movie, what you do is you accept your workplace as the best place. If you are underpaid, you accept your workplace as the best place. That's the time, that's the place where you spend the most amount of time and I had to look at my very own attitude and I was wrong. My attitude wasn't right. I had to change something and I did and I'm enjoying things a whole lot more. Accept your workplace as the best place. That's If people want to see something about Jesus, deliver a high standard of work. Work hard. Do more than is um, expected of you. Okay. Now, not relevant to me, um, point number six, harvest relationships from your children's activities. Many of my friends, they have kids. I have a kettle and some socks, and <laughs> I've got protein for till about the middle of Feb. That's it. Um, but harvest relationships from your children's activities. Guys, also, I think, you know, again, there's this, this real possibility for you to, your children, all the kids, church people we do everything together and all of that stuff and i'm not saying it's bad i'm saying your, your kids are in school they, they're doing activities that's wonderful connect with those parents say hey little timmy finally um you know bathroom isn't a mess anymore he's picking up his clothes oh little johnny as well oh that's wonderful wonderful build relationships from that because you're going to see those people next to a sports field your, your, your conduct, the way that you carry yourself, you're representing Jesus. And what we want to do is we want to introduce people to Jesus. So, so make the most out of those relationships with your children. It's a fantastic um, tool that you have. It's a great opportunity into the lives of other people. And let's make the most um, of those relationships. And the, second, uh, the last thing for uh, boosting your personal evangelism is take up a new hobby especially one shared in groups so i don't speak to people i don't know okay i don't um fiona knows that we do conferences together and i love fiona for that because i don't talk to anyone and i just stick close to fee and and uh, i don't have to so i'm shy super shy I don't talk to strangers, I've been talking uh, ever since I was a little kid, I've been told don't talk to strangers, and now all of a sudden, I've got to talk to strangers, and I think, do you have mad cow disease, it's not going to happen, <laughs> I don't want to talk to strangers, it's, it's, ugh, it's so bad, I, I, I cringe just to think about that, just to, real life scenario, I'm, I'm drifting a bit, sorry. So people would say, Edwin, there's this girl. You have to meet her. She walks on water on weekends. She is just the best. And they're so amazed. Then I say, no, thank you. I don't want to. And they can't understand for me to speak to a stranger is the worst thing in the world. I don't want to do it. Don't care who it is. Don't want to do it. Anyway, so take up new activities and hobbies. I have started at the gym to say hello to people. It's my new thing. Now, thank you breakthrough. I promise you tra- I've, I've, I've started training with Travis, or rather Travis has started training with me, and uh, it's good, it's good, and he is phenomenal with talking to people he doesn't know, and I've been picking up on that, and I've, I've known for, that it's an area that I need to grow, and now when I go train I shake hands, hey tucka tikka tikka, tikka. lekker um, and I talk to people, and I even see some people, I know I've got a little circle because he wants to chat for long, and I want to train. So, what I want to say, and I took up running, so, also a good thing. Take up a hobby. Um, something that you do daily. This week in the life groups was phenomenal when we look at the women of the well. We asked the question, Jesus met the women at the watering well. That's a place of meeting. So, maximize those places and times that you spend where where there will be interaction with other people. And before we close, and as we close, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 10, and not in your Bible there, because we're going to look at the message version, um, which puts it so, so beautifully. We are reminded of the charge that Jesus gave his disciples. One of those disciples was a man named Levi. And this is what Jesus told them. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be drama- don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so love generously don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start you don't need a lot of equipment i love this you are the equipment and all you need to keep that going is three square meals a day travel light in closing i want us to focus on two things first thing go to the lost and confused people right here in this neighborhood Again, the words of Levi, or that what Levi did, echoes in my mind. He threw a party at his house, and he invited his friends to meet Jesus. Hey, let that speak to you. Friends, let that speak to us. Um, We are starting an Alpha course on the 7th of February. It is going to be a party. Good news is that Jesus RSVP'd before the foundation of the earth was laid, so he's, he's going to show up. I'm going to be there. Um, take these flyers, give them to your mates, and let's love, let's love people. And again, it's not a sales pitch. We, we don't, we're not selling them anything. We want people to have a revelation of Jesus. We want people to have an encounter with Jesus. And, and the beautiful thing when I look at this story, when hardened hearts met Jesus, they liked him. That's all I want to do. His word is penetrating. Second thing that we need to do, it's not just go to the lost and the confused people in the neighborhood, but it's aimed and it's pointed. The second thing is tell them that the kingdom is here. The mission is not only to go to the lost and the confused people and go to parties and events and then take photos of ourselves and post it on Instagram and saying, only Christian at the party praying for these souls, relevant, um, all of that stuff. That's, that's, that's not the aim. That's not what we should do. Uh, you know, just to be there, and now I'm hanging out with, with all kinds of people that I wouldn't normally hang out with, and my church friends should look up to me. We should go to the lost and the confused in our neighborhood and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And nothing exemplifies it as beautiful as the encounter between David Wilkerson and Nikki Cruz. I don't know who of you have heard this story, um, but Nikki Cruz was born in Las Pedras, Puerto Rico, Toyota Corolla. <laughs> no. The Toyota Corolla was just added in there. But... Uh, <laughs> So he was born, his parents were both Satanists. So that didn't work out too well. Uh, his mother called him son of Satan. So again, no surprises, things went a little south. And when he was 15 years old, his parents had enough with him, of him and they sent him off to New York to go live with his brother. He was with his brother for a couple of days. And then he opted for the streets. So he was living in the streets of New York where he joined the famous Mao Mao gang. And before long, he became the warlord of the gang. That means he was the leader. He was the main guy. So for some people, it's it's drugs. For others, it's sex. For others, it's drinking. For Nicky Cruz, it was hurting people. He writes in his um, autobiography that he... Loved inflicting pain on other people. That was his kick. That was, he enjoyed that. David Wilkerson was a man, a pastor who lived in Middle America, and he saw in the front page of a newspaper four, four kids, four youth, youths being arrested for killing another boy for no reason, and they showed no remorse. So he packed up everything. He left for New York because he felt, God called me to, to um, have a ministry to these kids. Anyways, Nikki Cruz was not on that paper. That wasn't him. So David Wilkerson, in the streets of New York, walked up to Nikki Cruz and his gallivants and, and, t- uh, and, yeah, and his guys, and he t- told them, um, Jesus loves you. And Nikki Cruz started shouting profusely, swearing all kinds of profanities, spitting David Wilkerson, slapped him around, took out his knife, and David Wilkerson told them, Son, if you cut me up, into a thousand pieces, every single piece will still shout that Jesus loves you. And those words wrecked Nikki Cruz in a good way. He has had a faithful ministry for years and years and years. The word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful. We must go to the lost and the confused and we must tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How. Friends and family take so much faith. If we know our identity is not as righteous, we are sinners saved by grace. Gives them faith. Gives me faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these times and these moments. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would make much of it. Father, I pray that, that you would be sending us out of here into the neighborhood our friends, to our family to genuinely love upon them lavishly like you love upon us lavishly. Father, I pray that you will enable us, that you would give us grace to love others. Increase our capacity to love, to care, to go the extra mile. Our one desire is to, to know your love, A, and B just to reflect that. Father, give us a genuine love and concern for people. And we pray that you would use that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.